the king that we are introduced to of the Persians is named Darius. Darius saw what Nebuchadnezzar saw in Daniel. The idea you can't keep a good man down, I mean, Darius kind of evaluated those men who were in leadership positions, and he said to Daniel, you know, as I organize this kingdom, I may just put you in charge over all of it. Well, mark it down. When one man says they like you, three are going to say they don't like you. <laughs> and look at what it says in Daniel chapter 6. It says in verse 3, Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissions and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Verse 4 says, Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Verse 5 says, Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. First thing that Daniel 6 talks about is Daniel's public life. His work in the government. I want you to think about this as these conspirators go about their work and say, we don't like Daniel's popularity. We don't appreciate the fact that King Darius, who's a new king, has come in now and decided that he's going to put Daniel in the lead position, maybe even over these other commissioners. They, they would have been like governors and mayors, provincial authorities, we can call them. And they said, uh, let's see what we can find to discredit him. Now, they did something very interesting, and the wording is very articulate. This is what they did. They harvested his emails. It's right there in the scripture. You didn't read it? They, they began to go through his emails trying to figure out who is he communicating with. Surely there's something in there that we can find that, that we can bring as an accusation against him. I don't know how they did it, but they, they read his text messages. And they want to know he was communicating with, with his mobile device. Because surely somewhere along the way there's something there that they could find, that they could bring to light and say, hey king, he's not the man that you thought he was. Maybe you need to reconsider promoting him. Now I want to stop for just a moment and ask the question, what if somebody was to dive into your personal life or my personal life? How comfortable would we be with that? I'm not sure Daniel knew what was going on. I don't know if he was aware of what these guys were doing. But somewhere along the way, I just think old Daniel was calm and assured. He wasn't worried too much, and here's why. It's because he was a man of integrity. He was a man of character. He's a man whose life was pure. And the word pure and purity in Scripture means singleness or single-mindedness. 
Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 with those little couplets that we called Beatitudes. I called them the Be Happy Attitudes. And he said in one, one verse, Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When Jesus used the word pure, he was saying that there are individuals whose single solitary focus in life is on pleasing God. And we've talked about that before. I don't think that's a foreign idea to us. When you are singularly focused on pleasing God in your life, you will be a person of integrity. You will be a person of character. Now understand something about character and reputation. Did you know that you can't control your reputation? There are going to be people who say things about you and make up things about you that are not true. And, and what they're attempting to do is they're attempting to tarnish your character. But the reality of it is they can't do that. They can skew other people's perception of who you are as an individual. That is, they can try to re-image your reputation but another person can do nothing for your character or my character. We get to control who we are. Character is sort of a word that embodies our core values and an understanding of how we go about living life. If you are a person who are singularly focused on God and pleasing Him, you seek to be a person of integrity and purity, you know what you're going to live like? You're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're going to love your neighbor as you do yourself. There, there's a beautiful story about this. It's actually a true story about a, a man and his wife who were on up in years and they were traveling to Chicago. And when they got there, the, the, the train that they were traveling on was delayed. And so they, they got to uh, Chicago late and they walked into a hotel and, and they said... Uh, we need a place to stay. And the man behind the desk said, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we've got about three conventions and conferences in town, and we've had folks coming in all night long needing a room, and we're booked up, and I don't know of any other place that there is a room available. The couple thanked him for being honest and telling them that, although it wasn't what they wanted to hear. And according to the story, the couple turned and opened the doors of that hotel lobby, about to walk outside, and they'd just become a downpour. I mean, it was drenching rain, 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 like we've seen in our area for the last few days. And the guy behind the desk said, wait, wait, I, I, I can't send you out into the rain. Come, come back in for a moment. And he pulled them over to the side, and he said, the hotel provides for me a room. It's in the basement, it's not large, but it's clean. And if you would let me, I'd like for you to stay in my room tonight. And the husband and wife agreed, and they slept there that night. And when they got up the next morning, they thanked the man. His name was George Bolt, by the way, B-O-L-D-T. They thanked him, and they tried to pay him. And he said, the hotel doesn't charge me a thing. I, I, I'm not interested in taking your money. I, I'm just grateful that we had a place for you, and I hope you find a place to stay while you're in uh, Chicago. The man looked at him and said, you know, you, you seem like a very good man. And he said, uh, 
Matter of fact, you ought to be running the finest hotel in America. One day, maybe I'll build you one. The man smiled. Two years later, he received a letter in the mail with a train ticket in it to New York City. And the man whose room he'd given to that rainy, wintry night said, I want you to come to New York City and I want to show you something. Well, it sort of pricked George's interest. And so he, he packed his bags and he went to New York City and he met the man and he walked down to the corner of 54th that I built for you, uh, Madison, uh, Madison Avenue. And he said, there's the hotel that I built for you. Gave him a key to the front door and said, now run it for me. Man said, you must be joking. He said, no, sir, I'm not. Will you take this job? And George Bolt became the first manager, overseer of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. All because he showed a man kindness. Because he was a man of character. And because he was a good man. Now I want to say something about this this morning. And I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. It is a rare individual these days who can rise to a level of prominence and recognition in government and continue to be a good person. Man or woman, it makes no difference with me, right? And if we know anything about what's going on in Washington, there are fingers pointing in both directions and there's investigations and conspiracy theories and all kinds of things going on. Listen, it can happen to you and me. We're, we're not foreign to this. We're not excluded from this. But we need to make sure that we are praying for one another in this regard and we need to pray for those who are in those same positions. Pray that they come to an understanding. If there's things that they need to change, they need to change. But for you and me, we need to make sure that we're doing our part for our own lives, protecting our own character and our own integrity. I love the fact that it says that Daniel was a man of an excellent spirit. That's a, that's a beautiful phrase about Daniel that sums up his life. So the men go about their work and they seek to discredit Daniel. Then they go to the king. I'm going to tell you this instead of the read, read verse by verse. Listen to what it says. They go to him and said, King, we'd like to make you God for a while. And old King Darius listened to that and he said, You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I'm not too sure about it, but, but maybe that'll work. Years ago, this is actually, I'll go over here to our young people. This is actually before I was living. Eons ago, I mean decades ago, centuries ago. Uh, come on, that's funny. A century's a hundred years. I'm not that old yet. But, but a long time ago, there was a television show on called Queen for a Day. And, and what the producers would do is they would randomly select a lady and they would go in and they would film the documentary and the television show. Of course, it was all staged and set up a little bit. But, but they would treat her to all kinds of lavish things that ladies would like and enjoy. They, on one episode, they gave her a dishwasher. Wouldn't you like that? Or a toaster or an oven. 
there was a pattern there, right? Now, sometimes they treated her to a massage or, you know, manicure, pedicure, whatever. But, but it was queen for a day. We're going to give you things that otherwise you might not ever receive. Well, the idea of these men went and appealed to the king's ego and said, hey, you know what? Why don't you make a law that everybody must worship you? That you're the sovereign one around here. You're, you're to be honored and recognized as an almighty being. As God and King Darius actually put it in writing and in law that that's exactly what would happen. But look at what it says in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, that everybody must worship Darius, he entered his house, parentheses in my Bible now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God. Look at this as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. They approached and uh, spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Uh, king, did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes petition to any god or beside you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, the statement is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Look at verse 14. As soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. We know that it was a practice of Daniel and all those who were committed to worship of the one true God to worship God in prayer three times a day. For the ancient Israelites and even Jews to this day, the day begins at sundown. And so whereas you might say, I might say, from morning, noon, and night, we would seek to find time to pray. They prayed in the evening, and then the morning, and then at noon. And that was their three times of praying during the day. And I love the fact here that the Bible says that Daniel continued doing what he'd always done even when he knew that the king had signed the decree that anyone who offers a petition of this kind for 30 days must do so to the king himself, praying to the king. Now, now watch this. You see, in Daniel chapter 3, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they exercise what's called civil disobedience. Nebuchadnezzar set up the statue, brought everybody together and said, when you hear the music, bow down and worship. He said, do this or this will happen. And so they were disobedient by not doing what they were told to do. In Daniel chapter 6, we see Daniel avoiding what has been told to do, but he keeps doing it privately. 
he didn't, he didn't draft a, 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 you know, a, a, a document and get everybody to sign it, a petition. He didn't go around trying to get everybody on board and say, hey, I think if enough, enough of us will join together and disobey the king, he might withdraw that. He didn't do that. He just kept doing what he knew was the right thing to do because that's what he had always done. And he was not going to dishonor God by doing what the king had said. Now watch this, there's a phrase that ranchers and farmers use that applies here and it just keeps coming to mind. Have you ever heard anybody say the hay is in the barn, you know, and what's that about? Well, it's the idea that winter's coming, you know, and you know it's coming, but a farmer might say, but you know, the hay is in the barn. The idea is we've done all the work, we're prepared. We're prepared for the winter and I can feed my cattle and I can take care of my animals because the hay is in the barn. I've even heard coaches use that expression before. They got a big game, big tournament coming up. And so in the interview, they'd say, well, well what do you think? Well, the hay is in the barn. Well, what does that mean? Well, we practiced. We've made all the changes that we think we can make and we're prepared to compete. When it comes to Daniel and the pit of lions that I'm headed to, I'm letting you know that the hay was in the barn because of the time that Daniel had spent with God. And folks, I'm here to tell you that prayer is the answer for all our spiritual and practical preparation that we need in this world. That when you spend time praying... And you get to know the heart of God. You know what happens the more you converse with somebody, the more you get to know them, and the more you can anticipate what they're thinking. So much so that my wife now finishes sentences for me. And it is totally annoying. But she knows me. And so if I get stuck in a situation and I'm trying to explain myself, and there are other people around, she say, what he's trying to say is this. And usually she says it better than I could have said it, right? Daniel goes and he spends time in prayer. Now he's kneeling in prayer, kneeling in prayer. Can I just tell you he's in his 80s? I won't do what I thought about doing. I thought about having, seeing if there were any 80-year-olds here this morning be willing to stand up and then have them come down and kneel a little bit and see how difficult that is for them. I, I'm, I wouldn't punish you that way. I'm 55. I have trouble kneeling for extended times. But I'm here to tell you that when, when you kneel in prayer, it's a posture of reverence and subservience to God and your willingness to say to God, God, I need you. God, I'm vulnerable. God, I'm, I'm fragile. God, I'm, I'm here and I am in the... When you and I pray, you do realize that we're, we're saying things to God that he knows anyway. And oftentimes people will say, and that's why I don't spend a lot of time in prayer. He knows my heart and he knows my mind. Yeah, but when you say it and when you say it out loud, you're reminding yourself. And when you are expressing yourself to God in prayer and you're actually forcing yourself to put it into words, you know what you're doing? You're discovering just how much you actually need him. And so Daniel is not swayed. He's willing to go to God in prayer three times a day and continue praying 
as he'd always done. I love that. That just says more about his character and about his integrity. And then look at the next thing that happens here. We've talked about his public life. We've talked about his private life. Now let's talk about him in that pressured situation. Verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. I think we've heard lion's den all of our lives, but I want you to know the word here is actually a word that describes a pit. It was underground. There would have been a grate on top. Archaeologists have discovered lion's pits that were used during this time in history many times over. As a matter of fact, one of the largest lion pits that were found where people actually died as a result of being fed to the lions was found in Morocco, by the way. And so Daniel was cast into the lion's pit. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Well, how did he know that? Maybe old Daniel had been sharing a little bit of his faith with King Darius. Maybe King Darius found himself in a dilemma. I mean, the scripture already said when he heard what Daniel was doing, he tried to figure out a way to rescue him. You think he favored Daniel? I guarantee you he did. He didn't want to do this, but he'd signed the decree. He didn't realize what he was doing by putting Daniel in that position, I think, at that moment. Maybe just a moment of weakness when the men came in and appealed to his ego or whatever it was. And the king said, the God that you constantly serve, he himself will deliver you. Look at what it says in verse 17. And notice the similarities here between the burial of Jesus and Daniel in the lion's pit. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring. Both of those things done when Jesus was buried. And with the signet ring of his nobles. So that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no entertainment was brought before him. And his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn at the break of day and went in haste to the lion's den. And when he'd come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just think in these terms. I, I love what Daniel says here in verse 21. Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. And if you'll drop a rope down here, I'll be glad to come up and discuss this with you. Right? No, he's talking through the grate in the top of the pit, Daniel. And, and he's just looking up. Oh, king, live forever. Look at verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I've committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now I want you to listen very carefully to me for just a moment because you know where I'm headed with this in application. And I just, I just think about the naysayers too much. I, th I think about those people who will hear a sermon like this and walk away and say, oh, that's just preachment, that's pie in the sky. That, that's, just, that's, that's just a good Bible story that, that the preacher embellished that Sunday. I want you to listen very carefully. 
we know about lions, right? I mean, they are kings of the jungle. No, I mean, literally. A male lion can grow to be over 500 pounds. And 10 feet long from the tip of his head to the tip of his tail. And that's a big animal. A 500-pound lion can kill a 150-pound gazelle just with one swipe. And for those people who studied animals in the wild, they, they talk about the roar of the lion. Now, I, I can't imitate the roar because I'd, I'd lose my voice and I wouldn't have anything. Some of you are saying, well, do that, would you please? The lion's roar, it, 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 is, it is something that is unparalleled in the wild. And when the lion roars so loudly, it oftentimes paralyzes its prey. That's what happens. And then when, when, the, when the animal that he wants to feed on is paralyzed, that's when he pounces and that's when he has supper, dinner, breakfast, whatever he wants. You know, that's, that's whenever he finds his meal. But lions travel in herds called prides. P-R-I-D-E, prides. And in every pride male is one dominant male that all the other male lions know we're part of this group, but we're not the king. There's one king, and that's the alpha male Lion. Watch this. Daniel says that God sent an angel, a messenger. And just like Daniel chapter 3, where there was one like unto the Son of the gods that revealed himself in the fiery furnace with those three Hebrew boys, we believe in what a, we would call a theophany. God revealed himself through Christ prior to him being born in Bethlehem. I believe this was Jesus himself that showed up in the lion's pit with Daniel. You know why I believe that? It's because of Revelation chapter 5 verse 5 where Jesus is referred to as the lion, you ready for this, of the tribe of Judah. Where was Daniel from? Judah. I think Daniel was right at home as Jesus showed up and presented himself as the dominant alpha male. Matter of fact, I'll just call him the alpha and omega male because Jesus is both. And as Jesus presented himself there, as Daniel is on the lion, in the lion's pit, he looks around and says, nice kitty, kitty, kitty. Don't worry about old Daniel. He's 80 years old, nothing but backbone. You don't want him. And as night begins to fall, Jesus says, now he's going to be cold. Come on, lay on this side here on the ground. One lion lays down. Daniel lays up to him. Now, now come on, come on. Another one just come up and lay down next to him here. Y'all just sandwich him in there and give him nice, make him nice and warm. And, 
It's, you know, there's some flies in here. Come on, you come. Going off to sleep, tail from time to time, and just keep the flies out of his face. And old Daniel just going off to sleep here through the night. Don't you love that? Because in verse 18 it says that old King Darius is back in the palace and he's up tight. He can't sleep. Nobody can entertain him. He doesn't, he doesn't want anything. All he's concerned about is death. Notice the contrast. Daniel's sleeping peacefully here. Maybe he took his uh, pocket scroll out and began to read between the lions. Uh, before he drifted off, I don't know. Thank you for staying with me. I've waited all morning to make that comment, wondering if anybody would get it or not. Jesus took care of Daniel there in the lion's den. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter says that Satan is like a lion. Devour, seeking whom he may devour. Anytime God creates something, Satan wants to duplicate it. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan's going to try to be like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. But let me just remind you folks, Jesus is the dominant male lion. He's the Alpha and Omega Lion. Satan cannot compare to him. Jesus said in John 16 to his disciples, in the world you're going to have tribulation. The word is actually pressure. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is coming to the end of his ministry and as he writes back to young Timothy, listen to what he says. In Ephesus, I faced an adversary by the name of Alexander. And then he goes on to say, but he said, Alexander sought to end my life and my ministry. And then he goes on to say, and I'm using exactly what Paul wrote here. He says, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Lions are very real, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes... They're the result of our own doing, poor choices that we make. And we find ourselves in pressured situations. Your lion this morning in lion's pit, it may be a financial situation that you caused, or maybe you didn't cause it. It can be a relational situation that's causing pressure in your life, a marriage, a neighbor, a co-worker. Sometimes it's a lion's den that's not our fault. We didn't ask for it. It was just given to us. Last weekend in Clinton, a man went into a house and held six people captive. Before the SWAT team could get there, he'd killed four adults. And when they got there, he released two young children. That families who survived, those family members are in a lion's den this morning. 
This morning I got a text and then an email last night on Lakeland Drive in Jackson, four high school students from Clinton High School were in a car accident. Two of them are in the hospital, one is in the burn center, and one of our students died as a result of that car accident. There are families who are in a lion's den and pressures weighing on them. The fact is that if you pray consistently and cultivate that relationship with your heavenly father, you put hay in the barn. It doesn't mean that you'll find the experience enjoyable or even pleasant. But what it does mean is you know where your source of strength is going to come from. And you're relying and trusting on the Lord Jesus to see you through. Uh, nobody's ever been able to communicate with animals seriously, as far as I know, too much. But if we could talk to these lions, I guarantee you they'd tell us that wasn't our den. That was Daniel's den. You're going to face a lion. It can either be Satan. He walks around roaring, seeking whom he may devour. Or you can give your life to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Who is none other than the Lord Jesus. And he will save you. And he will be with you in and through every experience. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, we bow in this time of worship. <clears throat> As we give this invitation on your behalf, I pray that you would speak to any and every heart here. If there is any person, young or old, who's yet to publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, would you give them the freedom to come forward this morning and say, yes, I, I want to give my life to Christ. Follow Him in baptism, and I want to ask this church to help me grow and understand this faith that I claim to possess. Father, if there are Christians here looking for a church home, because Your Spirit would lead them, let them come to unite with our church family. Because we receive members in a variety of ways. Let them come. For all of us who go by the name of Christian, Lord, help us to submit ourselves to you once again. Thanking you and praising you for the security, for the faithfulness we have found in you. Through any and every circumstance in life. Pray this in Jesus' name for his sake.